Hi there, welcome back. Dang, it's really freaking cold. And I'm sorting through my sister's shiny, shiny thing collection. While we're getting caught up on the news. Just listen to my such live. And let's see what else they got going on. Seems like my such is about the only news source these days that you can truly depend on. Although there, I think there's some good uh, individual journalists. Like Ari Melber and Mehdi Hassan. Ah, Depardon name appears yet again as Secret Service. We already listened to that one too. Massive security measures are underway. Prosecutors take urgent measures to protect against Diperdon threats. Four hours ago, doubling down on losing. Diperdon tries to distract from imminent court loss of frivolous motion. You already listened to that too. Florida GOP votes to oust Christian Ziegler as chairman of the party. Ha ha ha. Data doesn't lie. Diperdon does. Prosecutors hit the jackpot with subpoena Diperdon tried to block. Seven hours ago, desperate late night behavior. Diaper done in total panic plus threats at 1 a.m. Nine hours ago. Diaper done and GOP instantly walk into fatal trap set by Biden. Hmm. Ten hours ago, shut him down right now. Fed up prosecutor stick the final dagger in Diaper Don's business. That was awful. GOP interviews instantly goes off the rails on live television. Hmm. Biden signed it. Trump refuses. Diaperdon refused to sign loyalty oath to the Constitution. We already listened to that too. Say goodbye to your business and your money. Diaperdon braces for financial devastation as trial ends. Diaperdon lets us slip biggest fear about the Supreme Court. 22 hours ago. Fed up Jack Smith blasts Trump at court. Doesn't hold back. 23 hours ago. Okay. Let's see what we got. Prosecutors take urgent measures. I had no idea what 100 calories looked like until I tried this. I thought I was eating healthy, but I never realized Thanks for I was eating 315 over... Okay. Legal AF because Donald violently attacks judges and prosecutors and their staff. They need protection from being assassinated, injured, or worse. We have two stories today that all come together, coalesce together. On the one hand, we've got a report to Judge Chutkin, Tanya Chutkin, the federal judge presiding over the D.C. election interference case. On the eve of a major hearing at the D.C. Court of Appeals three-judge panel about whether Donald Trump will have immunity from prosecution or not, she was swatted, swatted by a, I presume, a follower of Donald Trump. Swatted means sending a SWAT team or police to a scene under a false report of shooting or other types of violent crime, hoping that the person in the house will themselves be accidentally killed, shot by friendly fire of the police. That is swatting, and that's what happened to Judge Chutkin. Police and fire trucks rolled to the scene of her home where there was a false report of multiple shootings. She already, as I've done in prior hot takes and reported, she has already had to change her daily routine. She now has round-the-clock federal marshal security, as does her staff. 
What she continues to do is daily aspects of her life. She has federal marshals in tow. And now we have new reporting today that this has had a real-world impact on Jack Smith, a special counsel who's been constantly attacked as being deranged, unhinged, um, unscrupulous, disgusting, and violent rhetoric and um, vitriol by Donald Trump aimed at, at Jack Smith, his, his uh, family, and his staff. And the result is they've had to double the amount of money budgeted for his protection. It just came out in new reporting today that the uh, amount from last year to protect Jack Smith and his team from being assassinated, injured, attacked, or worse, went from $2.2 million to $4.4 million. There's wow. been $14.6 million spent by Jack Smith's team handling both prosecutions. That would save a lot of money if you just lock him the fuck up. And obstruction down in Florida and the D.C. election interference case presided over the now swatted um, federal judge Chutkin. And, and to do those cases, it's been $14.6 million. But of that $4.4 million, right, more than 30% is devoted to federal marshals' protection of Jack Smith and his team. This is the world that Donald Trump has created, that his followers and, and future voters believe is just okay. It's just all right to have somebody that's trying to occupy the Oval Office and be the president and moral leader of the free world to use violent rhetoric and attack docs and ultimately have his followers swat his political opponents and enemies who happen to be wearing black robes and represent the Department of Justice, the FBI, and their staff. That is what you have to accept if you're going to vote for Donald Trump, that you also support this. You take the penny, you take the pound all together. And this reporting is, they're linked. They're linked. We know for a fact that after Donald Trump attacks mercilessly judges like Judge Angoron in New York, the threat level to the judge and to his staff and his law clerk went up exponentially. Thousands and thousands and thousands of voicemails, text messages, and calls to chambers to try to kill, assassinate, and otherwise harm, hang Judge Angoron and his principal law clerk and staff. Same thing with Judge Mershon in New York presiding over the Stormy Daniels affair and the, and the um, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Same thing for Bonnie Willis. Her team wears bulletproof vests, have guns and weapons that are protected by the local sheriff's department in Fulton County related to the prosecution there. Same thing with Judge Chutkin. She was also the subject of an assassination of threat that was phoned in to her chambers back over the summer. Now, that person has been, has been investigated by the FBI and will likely be serving a long time in prison. The FBI and the Department of Justice is actively pursuing and trying to protect these people, these civil servants that are just doing their job as part of the justice system. Lisa Monaco, the number two at the Department of Justice, the deputy, deputy attorney general just two weeks ago, reported on CBS News, and I'll give you the, I'll give you the summary, that just two weeks ago, in a one-week span, they were investigating assassination threats against a Supreme Court justice, two presidential candidates, an FBI agent, and prosecutors, and the Colorado Supreme Court members. Colorado Supreme Court members also doxed and attacked uh, in, in violent rhetoric yeah. after they made their ruling against Donald Trump being on the ballot there. Same thing with the Secretary of State of Maine, Shanna Bellows. She's reported that she's been doxed and swatted as well. We're uh, 
fire trucks of police, uh, police um, and SWAT teams were sent to her house in an effort to intimidate her and to try to get her almost killed. That just happened. So in the last two weeks alone, we know of violent attacks and attempts on Jack Smith, Shanna Bellows, Colorado Supreme Court justices, and now federal judge Chutkin. And as a result, to protect himself one third of his budget, to do his job as a prosecutor is now devoted to his own protection for Jack Smith. It is a, it is a, um, it lays at the hand of Donald Trump with, who has blood on his hands and hopefully not in reality, that a prosecutor has to spend a third of his budget to protect himself. And he can't look the other way. There are judges, federal judges, state judges, time and time again, that, no, that have said and found, as a matter of law and factual finding, that Donald Trump knows in, his, in the stochastic terrorism world that he operates in and leads, that he'll do a call and response with his followers. He'll call out for them to go after his political enemies what he has designated as political enemies, and they will respond. That call and response is strong between Donald Trump and his followers. They will do anything for him. We saw that on Jan 6th. We're just three or four days after the three-year anniversary of Jan 6th, and I have to report about swatting of secretaries of state of federal judges, doxing of them as well, and Colorado That's Supreme crazy. Court justice, and that one-third of a budget for the federal uh, Department of Justice official responsible for prosecuting the president is going to maintain his safety. I don't want to present this in a hot take, but there's no choice. And for Donald Trump to stand by and say, as he does in all of his filings, can't be responsible for what bad people do. He is a bad person. There's no other way to put it. He knows the buttons that he's pushing on his followers, and he knows that they will follow him and do his bidding. He foments insurrection and incites riots, and it happens. We see it, right? There's 1,200 prosecutions going on in the District of Columbia by the Department of Justice as a result of Donald Trump fomenting that insurrection. And now the U.S. Supreme Court, who I assume also has protection, is going to have to make their decision about whether Donald Trump belongs in the ballot, whether he has um, immunity from criminal prosecution while he was in office, and whether he has, um, whether he can be banned from any of these ballots by the, the Secretary of State of Maine and Colorado and 30 other states that are considering it. But this report is about, for anyone that votes for Donald Trump, has to, has to also accept at that very same time, at that very same moment, they're voting for somebody who is so unhinged, who is so narcissistic and self-centered that he only cares about himself and, and getting that extra vote or that extra dollar and doesn't care about the life of people who have devoted themselves, devoted themselves to public service. You know, Judge Chutkin could have been a high-powered Wall Street litigator and made 10 times what she's making now, but she is a federal judge by choice. Jack Smith could have made a lot of money in private practice. He's almost never gone into private practice. Even when he took time out from being a prosecutor in the United States, he went over and became a, a, a war prosecutor you know, in Kosovo. These are people who have not followed the path of money. That's what drives, I'm sure, Donald Trump insane. Because their focus is on the public good and the public interest and on justice. Whether it's the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, who's about to bring Donald Trump down and bring him low with having to pay up to $400 million in disgorgement amounts 
and be put out of business effectively in New York as a real estate mogul, or it's Fawny Willis, who's doing her job, Fulton County District Attorney, with 14 counts of criminal indictment against Donald Trump for his interference with the election and the peaceful transfer of power in Georgia, right? Or it's the Manhattan DA going after him for what he did in 2016 while he was campaigning then and, and try to cover up the Stormy Daniels affair. Or it's the judges around that are presiding over these cases and making rulings that Donald Trump apparently doesn't like, and he's designated them the enemy of the people and taken these weaponized, these weaponized followers of his and pointed them as a loaded weapon directly at judges, prosecutors, and the like. Now look, we're going to continue to follow these kind of these kind of issues linking Donald Trump directly to threats against our justice system, criminal justice system. And, and the fact that it's done right before this current one against Judge Chuckin, right before the D.C. Court of Appeals three-judge panel has their oral argument this week, will not redound to Donald Trump's favor or benefit. I assure you that those judges, Judge Pan, Judge Child, who are presiding over this case, are not in an ivory tower, and they will know that their colleague, Judge Chutkin, who they have a lot of respect for, just got brought out of her house in her pajamas and it was, could have been accidentally shot by the police in a friendly fire incident yeah, like of me. Donald Trump's followers making. FBI now has a new yeah, like case. Yelling me when the fucking pigs came to up in, in Massachusetts as the Secretary of State being swatted, case of Judge Chutkin. And somebody better get to the bottom of why in our country People can't do go about their day job of, of um, making sure that justice is done, no matter who is on the other side of the V as a defendant, and why we have to spend so much money to protect them. Thank God we do, by the way. Thank God we have a Department of Justice led by Merrick Garland, an FBI that's led by Mr. Ray, Joe Biden at the top of the ticket, and people in their various positions that I've identified on this hot take. They deserve our protection. They deserve our respect. And we'll continue to follow it on the Midas Touch Network, on this YouTube channel. And on Legal AF, we'll do that every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Join us for our um, leading podcast at the intersection of law, politics, and justice, and now apparently personal security. Only one place right here. Don't change that dial. Don't change that station. It is this YouTube channel that you've been looking for. He can incite terrorism against sitting public officials. Terrorism against them. With impunity. Exclamation point. So, I would say they can save
Let's see here. <clears throat> Edom will belongs Christopher Price. Probably would get me on the ballot. Yeah, the Justice Department is doing a pretty good job, except for the fact that they are too chicken shit to lock up this pernicious traitor. Protecting his free speech right doesn't mean he can incite violence against them with everybody with impunity. Against everybody. Diaper Donald is obviously a menace to society, so I would recommend they save a lot of money and put him behind bars where he damn well belongs. People are saying we all need protection from Trump. He needs to be in jail now. Yeah, of course. The court should make Trump pay for the protection costs for Smith and the judges. He's the one that created this nightmare. Yep. How can one deranged person, diaper don, hold this country hostage without any repercussions? Okay, pernicious traitor. <clears throat> okay, so copy discards. Okay, right. What else is going on? It's pretty good. Four million dollars to double it. Okay, let's see the beat with Ari Melber. Yeah. That was my birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Trista. Prosecutor said the jackpot with subpoena diaper don tried to block. Oh, nice cat suit. Looks pretty good. Maybe we should make one. Shopping like a billionaire. Now, good evening, Ari. Thanks, Allie. And as we start the week, let me tell everyone, it is that time. Yeah, you can hear it. This is a beat with Ari Melber. We're one week out from this pivotal Iowa caucus. The first official voting of 2024, the launch of these presidential primaries. Candidates already barnstorming Iowa this weekend. You're seeing just some of what happened on your screen. And for many reasons, these first two primary states are the pivotal and possibly last test of a Republican Party deciding whether to bring its Trump past 
into the future. Nikki Haley trying to emerge as the one alternative to Trump, arguing voters can get MAGA without Trump chaos by just picking her. I agree with a lot of his policies. He was really good at breaking things. He just wasn't good at fixing them. And now we look at the fact, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. Chaos follows him. Now that may sound like a pretty tame contrast that she's drawing, but we have signs that Trump views Haley now as his main possible threat. He's attacking her by name as an establishment hack of sorts. Trump's tribute to Haley after months of unrelenting attacks on DeSantis signals a new phase, the Times reports. Haley threatening not only to eclipse DeSantis for second in Iowa, but also to compete with Trump in New Hampshire, where independents, of course, matter more in that open primary. So Candidate and defendant Trump is on notice that there still is this anti-Trump caucus in this GOP. And now would be the time to face Trump. This is the Republican Party's Fuji's moment. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide. Now Trump might take a spin on Lauren's line when addressing Republican voters. As she says, going to find you and make you want me. But Liz Cheney, and a not insignificant part of this Republican Party, is still trying to use this Iowa caucus a week from tonight in the coming primaries to stop Trump. And thinking a little bit more like Wyclef in the same song, those who fake, they break. Jail bars ain't golden gates when they meet their 400-pound mate. So yes, America, it is ready or not tonight. The party can stop Trump in Iowa or New Hampshire if it wants to. This would be the time. And that's the candidate-level debate. I've basically given you the clip notes. Haley on the rise, Trump even acknowledging her. Well, over on the ground, we can see how Iowa, which has all this history, is mixing old-school traditions with some very new platforms. We've been tracking all this. I told you we're going to keep an eye on voters and what they say and do, however they choose to do it. And many voters right now are engaging on this relatively new site that's proved to be more popular now than Google. We're talking about Iowa politics meets TikTok. More Iowans want a candidate that they're confident can complete the race. Or in Iowa, this might upset some Democrats. But Nikki Haley has the strongest polling numbers of anybody else against Joe Biden. She's got volunteers for political candidates knocking on my front door, and I don't mean a knock as in hi. We just want you to know we dropped off some literature. I'm talking about a knock as in hi. We would like to have some political discourse with you. We all know that caucus is coming up. Eight days away. People know what's coming. Now, by the way, China may own that platform, but it still does open a window for right now into grassroots American politics. And while Iowans are engaging this as an open debate, I got to tell you, as we gear up a week out tonight, many of these usual Beltway voices are already trying to name winners before Leaders. the voters, before any of you have weighed in at all. And I would try to keep it real with you around here. Media tradition, which should end. And by the way, they do it to both parties. They do it every presidential cycle. These whole obsessed horse race predictions, instead of just reporting on and listening to what's happening out there, including eventually the votes. We'll get the votes in Iowa, for example, in a week. We can report what they say then. Now, this year, because these same polls are actually showing Trump with a big lead in some of these states, what we have is that 
polling Beltway Industrial Complex, which is so often wrong, painfully, embarrassingly wrong, and some of these right-wing MAGA Trump allies echoing what the Beltway media is doing anyway, which is always playing off horse race poll predictions before anyone votes. So you have that media problem echoed by the Trump folks, everyone trying to declare winners before anyone's voted. It's really hard to imagine in the next week how Trump is going to do anything except sweep Iowa. The polling has never historically had a, an, a any candidate so far ahead that has lost, in, and that's in Iowa specifically. Trump is in dominant position in Iowa. I, I think that the news out of Iowa is not going to be a close race. It's going to be Trump doing a whole lot better and consolidating the party. And then cue the same cycle, that kind of talk, which is just pundits, many of whom aren't even in Iowa, feeding its own narrative, and then the political press will report on the very narrative it fueled. So now some of these political national reporters are suggesting Trump is just magically, because of the polls, the favorite. The AP says Trump's raised expectations heading into the Iowa caucuses. Now he has to meet them. Again, expectations, polls, predictions. Sometimes what you don't pay attention to, like a diet, is just as important as what you do. What you don't eat can matter just as much as what you do eat, believe me, after the holidays. And so I'm telling you tonight that polling, especially and specifically about the Iowa caucus, is something you shouldn't probably give that much weight to. And now, I just told you all that based on the evidence. Guess who's actually skeptical of polls showing Trump with giant insurmountable leads? Apparently, Trump himself was warning his fans against the polls that show him with unbreakable leads. That's how important it is. We have to, we have to do it, you know, uh, and just don't go by the polls. The polls are that we're leading by so much. It's incredible. Nobody's ever seen numbers like this. Don't go by the polls, at least don't think they mean you can stay home. It's a self-interested statement he's making, but it's spoken by someone who actually knows about losing Iowa despite polls. And that's not only a Trump problem, by the way. Iowa has shown this over and over. Go back to 2004, a long time ago, right? 20 years ago. And just a week or so before the caucus, Governor Dean had the polls in Iowa saying he was up by double digits. And here's how it actually shook out. A stunning turn of events in Iowa last night. They are now calling him Comeback Kerry. Senator John Kerry won the caucus with 38%. Iowa, I love you. I love you. Last night, last night, the New England Patriots won. Tonight, this New Englander won, and you've sent me on the way to the Super Bowl. There you go. That Iowa come from behind win at least revived Kerry's campaign. You might say, well, that was a long time ago. All right, here's 2012 on the Republican side. Again, just inside a week out before Iowa, Mitt Romney was leading at about 24. Rick Santorum was down in third at about 15%. And if you're following the pattern here and what makes Iowa an interesting place to start the race, and people debated back and forth about whether this is the right way to do it, but we're dealing with what's going to happen a week from now. We're dealing with the actual way this works, and it's going to be Iowa again. And guess what happened despite Romney's big lead? 
it is not too early for the Santorum campaign folks to be declaring a huge and somewhat unexpected victory here. Is he the great contender? Who is Rick Santorum? Is he the guy movement conservatives can finally rally around to defeat Mitt Romney? Game on. Thank you so much, Iowa. So pleasant. Game on and thank you. Now, that doesn't tell you who's ultimately going to win the nomination or the election, but it reminds you that, again, the narrow point I'm making that a Beltway crew of reporters and pundits seems to habitually forget or never learn is the pre-Iowa polls don't always tell you much. In fact, they are often wrong because of the nature of the Iowa caucus. As for candidate and defendant Trump, this little bit of skepticism I just showed you for polls that show him in a big lead right now, well... Maybe he found that very unusual note for him, not just crowing about some supposed positive, but actually saying, wait, everybody, slow down and be careful. Well, maybe that's because he knows he, Donald Trump, has never won the Iowa caucus. Cue the final polls, the Des Moines Register poll, which is a respected poll, by the way, had him up about five going into the 2016 Iowa caucus. And then, well... Can you have a spoiler alert about something that already happened? I think you know where I'm going with this. I told you he never won, but there was a lot of gearing up for this, a lot of view that he had to lead, the Des Moines Register poll, the whole buzz and hype on the right about Trump at the time, and then this happened. We are projecting that when it's all said and done, based on all available numbers, Ted Cruz is your projected winner of the Iowa First in the Nation caucuses. God bless the great state of Iowa. Now that's how it went down. I want to be very clear with you. It was a tight race, so you could argue the polling was tight going in and flipped the other way going out. And no one is saying that all of this history means you should go in the other extreme and make a bunch of predictions about Trump losing the Iowa caucus. There are a lot of reasons why a former president running in this kind of field right now could do well. So. I'm not suggesting you go Goldilocks and go to the other extreme, but clearly the narrative and the advanced polls are not usually very reliable to predict. So Trump was the loser there, and then there's something else we should remember from last time. He immediately made a scandalous accusation against basically Cruz and other Republicans. He said they stole the election. He went right into election denialism. So that's a habit he has. Now, Cruz eclipsed Trump by about three percentage points. And this is something to keep in mind a week from now, because unlike giant states and general primaries, the Iowa caucus involves individual people physically showing up. It is much smaller than a typical primary, let alone the general election. So Cruz had about 51,000 people in Iowa come out and caucus for him. And look at the difference of 6,000 there. Trump had 45,000. You can just imagine that the whole thing, after all year buildup, leads to a 6,000-person gap, which you can imagine could swing one way or the other based on just a few things that happened in the final week, or an endorsement here or there, a gap there, or weather even, which we'll return to. That's a very small number. 130 million Americans voted, for example, in the 2016 general election. Millions in many different states. To have that Iowa and all of its symbolism and all of its energy boil down to, in that case, 6,000 or what next Monday could be 10 or 20,000 isn't a wide margin. And if it is a close one, even with Trump in the lead, it may power 
one of these Republicans to consolidate the mantle of that anti-Republican, excuse me, anti-Trump caucus that I mentioned in the Republican Party. So turnout is key. And that brings us to the weather. We've been told before, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind is blowing. We go from Fuji's to Dillon. But no, I will tell you, there's a lot of weather people who are very clear that the snow and storms hitting Iowa are only getting worse right now. So forecasts show the temperatures are going to plunge the lows below zero. The so-called highs during the day, single digits. That's downright dangerous conditions for driving, for people who are sensitive to the elderly, others who may not want to be out, slip and fall. You can imagine people saying, hey, even if I plan to go do this, if it is below zero overnight with ice everywhere, I'm not sure I'm going to go. Here's how Politico puts it. This could result in a week from tonight, quote, the coldest caucus night weather since the nominating system began in 1972. Weather will be a factor. Who does that benefit? I'm not sure that we know. I mean, people can cut it up different ways. The campaigns are going to study it. The pollsters may look at it. Uh, you could do, as I mentioned, some correlation by age or even geographic. Are people far or close to their caucus site? But this is one more complicating factor to a situation that I just showed you many years is complicated and not predictable. So we could see a lot of unpredictable things happen, which would be the norm in a way. So the candidates here, they're making their home stretch arguments. You saw Nikki Haley being slightly tougher on Trump, trying to position herself as the heir apparent for consolidating the anti-Trump vote, if there is one in the Republican Party. And we know the Iowa winner won't always get the nomination either. So we have a former president who's telling people something you almost never hear from him. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe his positive polls 100%. Of course, saying that only in service of trying to get people to turn out. We have the unpredictable weather. We have a clear fight between Haley and DeSantis for the alternative. It's interesting times. Let me tell you what we do to get right into it on the ground next. We have a report from Iowa itself with Brianne Fannin-Sanil from the Des Moines Register. She's been out here talking to candidates. She's been on the ground. She's been here with Haley, and we're back together with Libby Casey in one minute. I recognize that Donald is dismayed that his poll numbers are falling in Iowa. We ought to have, have someone who isn't springing out of bed to tweet. I'm going to tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. This man is a pathological liar. Donald Trump is a serial philanderer, and he boasts about it. This is not a secret. He's proud of being a serial philanderer. And a rapist. Ted Cruz showing how to go against Trump in 16. We're joined now by Brianne Fannin-Steele, chief political reporter for the Des Moines Register and MSNBC contributor, and Libby Casey, senior news anchor with The Washington Post. Uh, welcome to both of you, Brianne. Uh, what do you think about the history showing that it's hard to predict Iowa uh, that it might work better to listen to the voters in real time and get ahead of them. Um, and what, if any insights do you have for us about what's been going down this weekend and, and over the next week? Well, I think you're really uh, right on there. It's tough to look at the polling and use those as predictive factors of what's going to happen next Monday. Instead, I think as these polls are coming out, it's important to look at them as what they are. It's a snapshot in time. It's a quick measure of how Iowa Republican caucus goers are feeling in this moment. And those can change really rapidly. Even those last weekend polls that come out, there's a lot of time. There, there are people making up their minds as they go into this caucus location 
at 7 p.m. on Monday night. And so what I would say is what we're seeing on the ground, though, really does kind of reflect overall what the polling sentiment is. You know, Donald Trump had a rally in Iowa on Saturday. People showed up, you know, two, three hours before it was scheduled to start, and he was three and a half hours late, and they stayed. People aren't leaving these wow. rallies, and we're not seeing wow. that from other Jumping days. in, and then I'll let you finish. What was, what, what kind of temperature was it that day? Well, you know, not as cold as it's going to be next week, but it, it is uh, January in Iowa, so it's not uh, particularly balmy right now. Not particularly balmy is, is fair. Uh, spoken with, you know, Iowan understatement, if I may. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you, you're mentioning those crowds building, which shows a kind of enthusiasm uh, that he could tap. Um, talk to us about the next week and the weather, because single digits, uh, this, this is the reality of, yes, people know in regular voting, if you don't vote by mail or in advance, you'd have to show up that day. Uh, but this is showing up to something that, while not as elaborate as the Democratic side, is still a caucus. Um, and, and people have the association of having to do a bit more. So uh, can you hazard a, any view of how the weather affects different candidates? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, people need to show up at 7 p.m. on caucus night. They need to spend some time there. And, you know, you you know, in your own life, things come up. You know, maybe it's been a long time of work, but you've got a lot going on. There are some hurdles to going back out when it's, you know, maybe four degrees outside. But I think we, we tend to look to these measures of enthusiasm, right? That's what campaigns are really trying to cultivate. Who Who is excited about caucusing for their candidate? Are you going out to, to caucus for Ron DeSantis because you genuinely are, are excited about seeing him become president, or are you doing it out of a sense of... Obligation, or has somebody knocked on your door? So we're kind of obligation, or has somebody knocked on your door? So we're kind of looking at those enthusiasm measures. And again, our polling at the register has showed that there is a lot more enthusiasm among people who named Donald Trump as their first choice for president. It's less so for Ron DeSantis. It's less so for Nikki Haley. And again, I, this isn't a prediction. I don't think anybody knows exactly what the weather will do to turn out, but, but that's something that I'm looking at, is whether that enthusiasm measure uh, will change who shows up. Libby? Yeah, I mean, the beauty and the pain of the Iowa caucus is that it's a caucus. And that makes it so unpredictable, Ari, in just the ways that you two have laid out. I mean, one thing that's really different right now, though, is Trump has a lot of loyalty among the evangelicals of Iowa, which make up a huge percentage of the Republican base. We're talking two-thirds of that electorate. And that's a group that he didn't have. Uh, the last time we did this, back in 2016, when Ted Cruz was able to beat him, he Trump has a lot of their loyalty now. And Ron DeSantis has, you know, he says he's made it to every county, all 99 counties. Uh, he and Nikki Haley have been working with groups to do the big get out the vote, you know, hit the doors effort. Um, but it really does come down to enthusiasm. And one question is, some of these new caucusers, people who maybe haven't done this before, will they make that effort? Will they figure it out? And will they be motivated to come out. We often think about the elderly. Will they want to go out in the cold and possible ice? Um, and then some people who haven't done this step-by-step -step process before, will they be motivated to join? 
Yeah, and let me play for you, Libby, uh, Nikki Haley's new ad. We mentioned Trump attacking her by name. There's clearly some some level of energy here. Um, and yet, while on paper she is a, a strong candidate, she also served in the Trump administration, which allows her to try to be a bridge. Um, and I think she has solid credentials. Uh, at times, you watch this ad, it almost feels like an SNL parody of, of politician word salad. Uh, you're running against... Uh, Donald Trump, who's very clear on where he's at, and then you get this as the rebuttal. Take a listen. Imagine a president with grit and grace, a different style, not a name from the past. Your family deserves a border secured, an economy restored, a nation respected. Our moment is now. Our mission is clear. Let's save our country and secure our future, and let's move forward together. Uh, is that enough, Libby? Well, I definitely filled out my bingo card, so we're, we're good on that. Um, but the question is really what momentum can these candidates have leaving Iowa? Not to slight Iowa voters, they are so important, but this is not about the raw delegate count that you're looking at. This is about momentum, and this is about showing what voters you appeal to. Do you bring out that enthusiasm that we're talking about tonight? Can you get the evangelicals if you're Donald Trump? Can you get beyond that? And can Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis make a dent? Um, we don't want to be predictive, but a lot of us are watching to see how Haley and DeSantis do, and if they come out of Iowa with momentum, who does get second yeah. place? Ari, I love that you're keeping it wide open, but you know who, who, who is able to, to make a run at this because they'll have to go into New Hampshire with momentum. Um, if Ron DeSantis has a third place finish, that's going to be really bad for him. Uh, if Nikki Haley's able to cut into his numbers, that could really help her in New Hampshire, which is a much more secular state and a state that she has been putting her energy mostly into. Yeah, all really good points. I'm running over time here, but uh, Brianne, what are your tips for the uh, Iowa storm season? What's your key cold weather tip? You've got to have gloves. You know, it's basic, it's simple, but it's important. Make sure you're dressed warm. Gloves, yeah. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, when you go hiking, they say you lose 80% uh, of your heat through your head. That's why the hat is actually so vital. Uh, you can totally bundle up, but without gloves and a hat, yeah, you're toast. Cold toast. Um, Brianne, Libby, thanks to both of you. Uh, we'll be hearing from both of you in the busy week ahead, so appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, let me tell folks what's coming up. Jack Smith has new damning testimony in the January 6th trial, as tomorrow we'll learn more about whether this case will even be heard with a big hearing. That's going to be tomorrow. We're going to get into that on MSNBC. Also, authoritarianism is under fire from the Republican Party to this very controversial, very striking cover of the New Yorker magazine out today. But first... We're going to show you new video that's only out because of justice and accountability in one of these Jan 6 trials. Michael Steele, next. There are many, many trials of people who stormed the Capitol on January 6, people who are not politically famous as part of the grinding wheels of justice. And sometimes some of these trials, which do take time, bring out new evidence and videos, even beyond all the journalists who were there and the January 6th committee. So tonight, we have brand new video, new to the world, from inside the Capitol during one of the tensest moments of the Jan 6 attack, as it unfolded before the rioters and seditionists, now convicted some of them, were able to actually take control. Let's put this up. This is new video, and what you're seeing here is from this key moment from before they took control of the House floor. So the House chambers 
barricaded. This cell phone footage is actually from one of the people who stormed the Capitol. This is the video evidence used to now convict people. They told on themselves. They were, I guess, so arrogant or just so out of it that they thought making this video was a good idea. But the perspective you see here is quite chilling. This is the Jan 6 attack. They're looking through broken glass. Capital security have their guns drawn. They're still trying to hold off however many people were on the other side, which the police, of course, didn't exactly know at that point. They didn't know that the floor was eventually going to be ransacked. Now, you have two Republican representatives who are actually on the other side of this door. And this video evidence, new to the world, which was used in the trial to convict this person, now is what we're going to show you as news tonight. The rioters shouting threats. We're real American citizens who are sick of this, and we're making it known that we're sick of it. I drove 14 hours to get here and stood in the cold for three and a half hours to find out that Mike Pence is a traitor, man. And I voted for that dude. He could have done the right thing. individuals yelling this footage came out as mentioned in the case now this is the lengths the rioters would go you remember all of the imagery you remember the noose you remember the gallows you remember of course the terrible attacks the marching through the halls of congress but videos like this the reason why it was important in the trial is it helps show how this actually went down how these people were still shouting these threats in the face of guns how serious it was the gallows was not some sort of symbol and then there's the moment where a congressperson, Troy Nels, a Republican, speaks back to those attackers. I've been in law enforcement Texas for 30 years. Talk a little louder. That's because you've never seen corruption like we have seen this last month. I'm ashamed. And I'm ashamed of my congresspeople. They don't even stand up for it. Freedom is at hand. You can just feel that moment. This is really striking. And remember, one of the biases or sort of intellectual barriers of history and types of journalism when we tell you about stuff from three, four years ago is we know how it ended. So, for example, we know that member of Congress was not attacked or killed that day. We know Mike Pence got out safe. But think about the wherewithal of the, the member of Congress, for example, is unarmed. The police are there, the Capitol Police, but they're vastly outnumbered. They don't know what's coming next. And he still stood his ground for however long there to speak back to these people who he understood were on his side. He said, I am ashamed because he understood these were Trump fans and they all had agreed on Trump. But when Trump lost, some of them now became seditionists. That was a moment in time for the Republican Party. That individual standing there in that moment and other Republicans who initially spoke out quite clearly after Jan 6th. We will not bow to lawlessness or intimidation. All I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. Last week's violent attack on the Capitol was undemocratic, un-American, and criminal. President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. Play. Jules standing there in that moment and other take Republican. We will not bow to lawlessness 
initially spoke out quite initially spoke out quite clearly after Jan 6th. We will not bow to lawlessness or intimidation. All I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. Last week's violent. Attack on the Capitol was. Undemocratic, un-American and criminal. President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. I am going to stay right here uh, with my brothers and sisters in blue. I cannot support what you're doing. This is this is criminal. That was then. Now, Republican leaders, including the new Republican House Speaker, the top member of that body, are continuing to feed new lies about the 2020 election, which is what got all those people so hopped up storming the place or take Republican Stefanik will not commit to certifying a future initially spoke out quite clearly after jan 6th we will not bow to lawlessness or intimidation all i can say is uh count me out enough is enough last week's violent attack on the Capitol was undemocratic un-american and criminal President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. I am going to stay right here uh, with my brothers and sisters in blue. I cannot support what you're doing. This is this is criminal. That was then. Now, Republican leaders, including the new, new Republican House Speaker, mm. the top member of that body, are continuing to feed new lies about the 2020 election which is what so, got all those people uh, so hopped up gp traders um, initially called out diaper the place or Mitch. take republicans to Sonic who will not commit to certifying a future Do, 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 do. Hmm. You ain't to feed sure clip. new lot. Oh, shit. I was about the 2020 election, which is. Weren't able to clear out quite clearly. They don't want me to create Jan this clip. We will not Well, let me create this clip. Fuck. Yeah, they don't want you to 
cheated. They don't want me to create that clip. It's too good. There's fucking traitors. And then they change their tune. Probably because Diaper Donald has the dirt on them. Cancel then, fucker. Fuck. Jeez. Ah, I had to close the app. <clears throat> Diaper Donald can now appeal to the Supreme Court. Court denies. Um, court denies Trump. Uh, Diaper Donald's presidential immunity claims. Yay. Hi, we have some breaking news to tell you about in one of the ex-president's cases that we mentioned in the last hour, the lawsuit one brought by cases. the writer E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump. A federal appeals court has now denied Donald Trump's request to reconsider his bid to dismiss the lawsuit based on claims of, wait for immunity. it, presidential immunity. Trump yeah. can now appeal to the Supreme Court, but as of now, the trial is scheduled to begin next Tuesday, uh -huh. where the issue won't be whether Trump is liable for defaming E. Jean Carroll, but rather how much Trump should pay Carroll in damages for defaming for her. You, I mean, we have some breaking news to tell you about. In one of the ex-president's cases that we mentioned in the last hour, the lawsuit brought by the writer E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump, a federal appeals court has now denied Donald Trump's request to reconsider his bid to dismiss the lawsuit based on claims of, wait for it, presidential immunity. Trump can now appeal. Sure. He pays out immediately. E. Jean Carroll, E. Jean Carroll, that's great. Cunningham's Law. The best way to get a detailed and correct answer is not to ask a question, but to make a false statement about it. People love to correct others, and at that moment they concentrate fully on a correction and this additional point for their ego. The Zygarnik effect. People tend to remember uncompleted tasks more than completed ones. If you want to stick in someone's mind, leave a task or story unfinished. Ben Franklin effect. If you want to win someone over, ask them to do a favor for you. As strange as it sounds, they'll like you more after doing something for you. This is because our brain justifies our actions by thinking, I did a favor for them, so I must like them. The foot in the door phenomenon. If you want someone to do a big favor for you, first ask them to do a smaller one. Once they agree to the smaller request, they're more likely to agree to a larger one. Halo effect. First impressions matter. If we see a positive trait in someone initially, we're more likely to view them positively in all other aspects as Cunningham's law. The best way to... I don't realize these these people are actually infiltrating our, our planet mm. and this cave inside the Amazon is basically a hub that they're using to establish themselves uh, kind of slowly just taking over our reality here on Earth 
infiltrating our governments, controlling our media. But long story short, I'm seeing skyscrapers that went up to the heavens like flying spacecrafts just all over the sky. Mm. Immediately I'm being confronted by these like barbarian looking aliens with like titanium masks. They grab me up and I'm like begging them, please, please just let me go home. I don't want to be here. I was captured and um, I basically see a metallic like ray gun type of thing on his hip. While he's sidetracked, I take my chance. I go for his gun and I immediately just point it at him and pull the trigger. He just disintegrates. Um, I'm like, holy shit, processing the fact that I might have just killed this alien. I don't stop to think. I just start sprinting back to the portal, firing off shots at other aliens as I'm getting shot at. And I just basically get myself the hell out of there. I don't realize these these people like are actually infiltrating our, our planet. Mm -hmm. And this cave inside the Amazon is basically a hub that they're using. To This dude is tripping up those Amazon frogs. <laughs> this dude is talking about a Rick and Morty episode. I think she's Captain America on shrooms. Bro, Bigfoot is more believable than this crazy acid trip. Bro just started an intergalactic war. <laughs> he just got them good Amazon mushies to trip on. Tell me you dropped a fucking ray gun. I like how our guns are just like alien guns. This sounds like a pretty cool movie. One hell of a shrimp trip. Right. The Amazon is based. This woman lived in a house with this strange mirror for years. When she discovered what it really was, she called the police. Olivia, a 30-year-old woman, had just moved into her aunt's old house. She loved everything about the house, except for this large mirror that was strangely placed in front of the main door. She tried to remove it several times, but it seemed to be stuck to the wall, so she decided to leave it in place. Besides that, she sometimes heard screams or banging around the house. One day when she left for work, her neighbor greeted her from the porch and said, it was a real pleasure to meet your grandfather yesterday. But that was strange because Olivia's grandfather had passed away several years ago and the neighbor never met him. One night, a woman was cleaning when she noticed a draft coming from behind the mirror. She decided it was time to remove it and you won't believe what she found behind it. Yeah. Like for part two, this woman lived in a house she with this strange mirror for years. When Let's see if they have the second part up yet. Mm. It's one of those ones where they don't never finish the fucking story. Fuck. 2.8 million views. Sounds like nobody will finish it. Where's this thing, man? Damn it. It's a portal. A teacher went to work dressed like this every day. The parents were furious. The woman really loved teaching and cared about her students. She was a young, fun, and modern teacher whom all the students adored. She came to school dressed in this way every day. Parents began to notice how she dressed when they picked up their children from school, became concerned, and called the school every day, asking why they would hire someone like that. One day, the school principal decided to call the teacher in. He sat her down for a long talk. Afterward, the teacher came out of the principal's office crying, but you won't believe what happened next. She was crying because the principal said the way she dressed distracted the children. As a result, the teacher was fired by the school. However, it didn't end there. She didn't give up without a fight. In fact, she sued the school for wrongful dismissal and discrimination based on her body. Would you have fired the teacher? 
A teacher went to work dressed like this every day. The parents were furious. The woman real? really is loved. Is that a real ass or are those fake? Is it a fake ass? But it doesn't matter, man. Like if it's, it's just just cover. It's goes like below the below the knee skirt and um, slacks and she's got a huge ass and big tits. You know, leave her fuck alone. <laughs> It's the parents that were distracted. What the hell they want the lady to wear a potato sack? <laughs> I think they're doing like dog fights.